Make an important decision for you and your family today on Abounding Grace. Before he invented the church or schools or the law, he even spoke about race or keeping our temples healthy. God spelled out the primary principles of the home because it was his top priority. Our houses, our homes, our lives, which will be our study next time. But today, I want you to consider, I want you to decide, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's where it starts. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's time once again for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In Joshua 24, 15, we find this wonderful statement. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We'd like to challenge you to share that very commitment and watch what God will do in and through your family as you do. We're just getting started with our series, Family Matters. And Pastor Ed says a good building block for any family is surrender to the Lord and service of the Lord. In Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 3, let me read it to you. Ezekiel is given a vision from God, given a word. And he says, son of man, these men have set up idols, notice, in their hearts. Because that's where idolatry resides. They set up idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of all at all by them? Therefore, speak to them and say to them, thus says the Lord God. Everyone of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble in, into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols, that I might seize the house of Israel by their heart because they are all estranged from me by their idols. That's a pretty powerful passage. That's a powerful passage. There are those we meet who hear strange things and think it's from the Lord. They even say it's from the Lord. Things like, you know, I can steal from work. God has given me permission. No, he hasn't given you permission at all to steal. You're not hearing from the Lord. You're hearing according to your idol. Or maybe this, I can slander and gossip. God has released me from that burden. What? No, you can't slander or gossip about another person. It's a sin. You can't. How about this one? I was praying the other day, and the Lord told me to leave my husband with no biblical grounds. What? No, if you were really praying to the Lord, he would have said, you have a hard heart, and I'm ready to soften your heart. That's what he would have said. And so what Ezekiel is saying here is if there's an idol in your heart, listen, if there's an idol in your heart and you seek the Lord, you will hear the voice of your idol and think it's God. You go, well, I have a peace about it. No, you actually don't have a peace about it. You have just created an environment and a set of excuses to dismiss your sinful behavior. Why? Because you've set up an idol in your heart. It could be the idol of peace. I just want peace. So now all you do is talk about peace, but that peace is not from God. 
You're not, you're just simply not following him and trusting him in a difficult time. He's like, oh, you know what? I don't understand. I, I just need this and I need this because I feel so stuck. And I, I just like, I feel like God has just put me in a place. And you start blaming God for the position of your life. In Christ, you're not stuck. You're free. The Lord is working in your life. And there are times where God will allow restrictions in our lives. Why? To teach us to trust him, to hold fast to him. But I've met believer after believer. I've watched family disintegrate. I've watched kids backslide and turn their backs on the Lord and then say it was from God. And I just know that they set up an idol in their heart. It wasn't from God at all. God never excuses or approves of sin. You're just self-deceived. And God is ready to open your eyes. Joshua stands as an example where you declare it over your house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But Ed, so-and-so is not, no, no. As for me and my house, as for me, we don't really have control over other people, but we have control over me and my choices. So it starts with me and it actually ends with me. As I have my walk with the Lord, my relationship with the Lord, when I was born again, I had to make this decision over my home. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And I, I learned that as I make mistakes along the way as a dad, as a husband, uh, as the leader in my home, as a co-laborer with my wife, as I make mistakes, I want to make them seeking to serve the Lord rather than seeking to serve myself. And so I repetitively make this decision, as for me and my house, I serve the Lord. I'm still making that decision today, as for me and my house. And by, by the way, God is not looking for perfect families and perfect homes. You don't have one. I don't have one. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for surrender. Surrender. Just, it's like, you know, when you're singing, right? You lift up your hands to the Lord. That's just a sign of surrender. It's a sign of worship. It's like, oh, Lord, I, these, these words mean so much to me. I just, uh, you're so vulnerable when you're like this. You're just in such a vulnerable position. But in that vulnerability, the Lord meets you there. And I know in this room, there's some hard situations. Hard situations in my family right now. Very hard. Very difficult. Outside of my control. So I just got to trust the Lord. That's what that, that choice. As for me and my house, where I control what, what, as for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. I'm going to keep my love relationship strong with him. And I'll let the Lord sort out the other things. And just keep serving him. Keep serving him. Keep serving him. Give my life to him. And that's how our lives will be judged. Not just how we started, but how we finished. I want to finish well. Joshua is challenging the people to make a choice to, you know, because you can live for many different things. Even when trouble comes to your home, you can live for many different things. You can take on an identity of your crisis. You can take on an identity of your difficulty, or you can maintain your identity of your victory in Jesus. You can maintain your, the, the true identity that you have as a follower of Christ. And that people that follow Jesus go through hard things, experience difficult things, experience imperfections, difficulties where we learn to pray, we learn to surrender, we learn to love, we learn to adapt ourselves, stop trying to change everybody, but just change ourselves to be more moldable in the Father's hands. <laughs> just let the Spirit do what He wants to do in our lives. Growing in grace. You know, I think as we get to it later on, but you know, it's like just that, that simple, let me give you a real simple one, not even really difficult. The difference between marriage 
and singleness, right? Because in our culture, and unfortunately, even in the church today, marriage is kind of described as better than singleness, but it's not. They're both equal stations from the Lord. So marriage is not better or worse. It's just a different place that you have in life. It's funny, the singles are, oh, I want to be married. I want to be married. I have to be married. And then the married people are going, I want to be. (laughs) Don't say it. (laughs) Don't you? You're thinking it. You're already busted. Don't say it. Because it's not an issue of marriage and singleness as much as it is an issue of contentment. Learning to be content where you are. It can be hard in marriage. It can be hard in singleness. It's hard in both. You see, God, he's working in your home, in your house, in your life, in your current situation. And the grass always seems greener in your neighbor's yard, man. It's always someone's got a better life. Someone's got something better. No, no, no. You're exactly where God wants you. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Where I'm at, the condition of my life today, could things be easier? Could things be different? Of course, There's advantages to both. There's advantages to marriage where a threefold cord is not easily broken. But there's also advantages to singleness. Now, you know, the gift of singleness in this season, and we'll get to it and we develop it in a later study, but that when you, the gift of singleness is that you get to devote yourself 100% to serving God. 100%. Your whole life can be sent. That's what, that they can be spent in, like, there's a lot of ways to spend your life. But you don't want to just spend your life. You want to invest it. You want to invest it in the things of God, in what's eternal. Just like the proverb says, by wisdom, your life is built. A house is built. Understanding it's established. So whatever your station of life is, God's going to use it. Now I want to bring up one more thing before we head out. It's so good. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Because the truth is, you can't serve two masters in life. You know that? You can't serve two masters. Jesus put it this way in verse 24. I want you to see it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. You got to understand this. You grasp it. Like if if you say today, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. That's it. You can't serve two masters. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. It's not me and my house, I'm going to serve my career. Me and my house, I'm going to. No, it's me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. That comes, he's first singular absolute. You guys with me so far? You guys listening online, listening? I hope you're staying with me because you've got to grasp this. God is ready to explode in your family and in your home. The question is, are you ready to meet him? Because you can't serve two masters. Notice, for either you'll hate the one or you'll love the other or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And then he gets the teaching of Jesus, goes on to worry. Don't worry, that's the rest of the chapter. And he goes down to verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. Can't serve two masters. Now, of course, the context here, when he says you can't serve God and mammon is money. And that's where he's at contextually. You can't serve. But by way of application, just back that up again and just say this. You know, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and, and then you fill in the blank. Because anything you put in that blank fits. You can't serve God and someone else and something else. You're going to love one, hate the other. You're going to be loyal to one. You're going to despise the other. You can't share that. When you try to share that, there's a Bible word for that. It's called compromise. 
And when you begin to compromise, compromise begets more compromise. And sinful compromise begets more simple compromise. And before you know it, as a series of choices, you wake up one day and go, man, how did I end up here? It didn't happen overnight, I'll tell you that. It's a series of choices, often small and internal. Nobody sees, but you know them. And the first couple of bad choices, the Holy Spirit convicts you big time, and then you don't listen. And then you begin to grieve the Holy Spirit, and you harden your heart. And before you know it, man, we did a whole series on backsliding when we were studying through Hebrews. If that's an area of your life, I would encourage you, go back on the app, listen to the series on backsliding, so that the Lord will keep you moving forward for his glory. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus summarizes this whole teaching, he gives you a familiar illustration. And be careful when you read things that are familiar, because you may miss things. And I, I wonder, I wonder if Proverbs chapter 24 was what Jesus had in mind as he finished up what we know is the Sermon on the Mount. I wonder if that's what he was thinking, that he was tying it together with an Old Testament principle that the people would be very familiar with. Jesus often taught that way. You read through the book of Matthew and see how many times the new covenants build on the old covenant, that, like how they're totally connected. And I wonder if this, when he's talking about house being built and established with knowledge, was on his mind when Jesus said in verse 24, listen, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and mark these words and does them. Another gimme. You hear something and you do it. You hear something and you do it. He says, anybody that hears these and does them, I'll liken them to a wise man. It's a wise person that builds his house on the rock. Okay, so we have an example. Hearing, doing equals wise. And the house, again, this is not, this is another picture. It's an illustration. He's not, we don't have two builders building houses here. It's a familiar illustration that would immediately evoke in their lives how to build a life. How to build a life. So you got one person, he's wise, she's wise because she heard, she did. She's like somebody that's on a solid foundation. Jump down to verse 26. Here's the other person. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. That's the difference. The person that hear, they both hear. One does, one doesn't do. They're going to be like a foolish man, Jesus said, that built their house on the sand. So you get the picture, both of them putting their houses up, building at the same time. One's on a solid foundation. One's on a sandy foundation. What happens to their houses? Notice, the foolish and the wise person experience the same thing. Verse 25, rain descended, floods came, winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why? It was founded on the rock. Why was it founded on the rock? Because they heard and did what Jesus said. But notice verse 20, 27, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. Why? Well, because they heard and didn't do. 
Not only did the house fall, notice Jesus, have you ever considered why Jesus added this last part and great was its fall? Isn't the falling and destruction of your house enough? Isn't that enough? I mean, isn't it enough to have something and then through the storms of life, it's completely destroyed? No, it's not because Jesus is making a point. Why was it great fall? I'll tell you why. Because the person that chose to build their life heard what Jesus said and purposely ignored them, but still went through life. And it wasn't just a fall. It was a great fall because they sinned against knowledge. It's one thing to sin in an ignorant way. God will hold you accountable for that sin. It's a whole other thing to sin against knowledge, to actually know and refuse to heed. James would pick that up later too, right? Faith without works is dead. Hear and do. Don't walk away hearing and not doing. The greatest choice that you can make is both to choose to surrender your life and home to the Lord and to choose to allow Jesus to build it. Because Jesus is committed to building your life and building your home. Not everything is lost. Not everything is over. Though a man falls seven times, he will rise again. Though your son or your daughter is backslidden, they will come home. Though your marriage is in, tight, in, in, in just, just completely in tatters, God is ready to restore what the enemy has tried to destroy. And if your life today is beyond what you believe is repair, it is not beyond repair. God is ready to raise you up and start anew and afresh. And I'm sorry you've experienced the storms and the difficulties and just beating, beating, beating against your life. But God is ready to fill your house. That's his will with pleasant, precious riches, with his knowledge, his understanding, and his wisdom. I mean, think about it. His knowledge, understanding, and wisdom Jesus created Solomon. You think Solomon was wise? Jesus has more wisdom than Solomon. He's greater than Solomon. He's greater in understanding and in power. How far we've drifted from God's original plan, church. Our generation, our culture, our society, undermined, rewritten, basically replaced the biblical direction of family, of marriage, of children, of singleness. It's true, not one size fits all. You're going to have to take these Bible studies in and apply them directly to your life. But there is a paradigm that God has intended it not to be changed. The family. A family dedicated to him. A family, no matter what your makeup, man, woman in marriage, man single, woman single, how you are as a child in your home. The paradigm is that a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh. They were both naked, his man and his wife. They were not ashamed. You have the foundation of the family that can never be changed. One man, one woman, one lifetime. And if you are not married, that you're to remain single, holy, and pure unto the Lord. And whether the world changes or not doesn't matter. You know, the world doesn't, the world is not greater than God. They can change definitions and laws and whatever. It doesn't matter. If they do that to their own hurt, they do that to their own destruction. For the earliest of time, God cared so much about the family church that he provided these foundational guidelines that would make it solid and keep it strong. And there is hope for all our families. Think about this. Before God, before God spoke about work, civil government, 
Before he invented the church or schools or the law, he even spoke about race or keeping our temples healthy. God spelled out the primary principles of the home because it was his top priority. Our houses, our homes, our lives, which will be our study next time. But today, I want you to consider, I want you to decide, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's where it starts. If you're not open and willing to do that, you're going to continue to fight against God's will for your life. And it's going to become harder. There's no quick fixes, okay? There's no quick fixes. I'm not a pastor that's going to say, hey, take two verses and call me in the morning. And here it is. This is all. If, if it took you this long to be in trouble, it may take you some time to get back out of it. But the moment of repentance is instant. That's where God begins to work. And there may be some time of correction and work and things that God's doing, but there's no quick fixes. And yet, God is ready to work in your life. If you're ready, God has always been ready. So all he's asking you is to tap into his power. Surrender your life and remember that it's not your way that works. It's God's way. So we got to change. We have to adapt. We adapt ourselves to him God doesn't adapt himself to, uh, to himself to us. When you think you're adapting God to yourself, what you're actually doing is creating a God in your own image. As we saw in Ezekiel, you're to start hearing your own attitude, your own opinion, and then you'll wake up one day and go, what? What is this? You might even start blaming God, but it's not God's fault. Sin has so wrecked us that even in our best efforts, they're not enough. It's not enough. Only surrender will tap into the grace of God. It's not what you do for God. It's what God has done for you. You and I, we are the responders. God is the initiator. He has reached out to you. He is ready to save you. He is ready to keep you. He is ready to cleanse you. It's his work. It's all his work. And it's none of your work. God has initiated his love toward you. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that God loved you. He demonstrated his love for you. Why or how? That in while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So when you recognize that you have sinned against a holy and a righteous God and you cry out for forgiveness, God is ready to forgive you. That could be the very beginning of flipping your family around. When, when God, when people were looking at my life and going, man, what a waste of a life. He's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. He, he, he's going to, when people would look at my life, God would look at my life and say, no, I'm going to save that kid. And I'm going to do something in his life that nobody will ever believe. It has to be God. They will have to give me credit because he has so thoroughly ruined his life that when they see him, they, they will have to give me credit. And you know, God wants to do that same way. You don't have to be as bad as me. It's like, whoa, Ed, you were really bad, man. I'm going to find out, honey, it's time for another church. And that, guy, that guy's messed up. I was. I was. And in many ways, God is still refining me. I'm, I'm in the sanctification process as well. But I do know this. God has done a work in my life as he's done a work in your life. And I'm a different man than that lost punk of 30 years ago. And I'd rather have God's view of my life and live up to his standard than take my view of my life any day of the week. And it's true for you as well. 
Today on Abounding Grace, we've been listening to part one in our series, Family Matters. God's heart and desire for families is the target for this series. Pastor Ed Taylor's first message in the series is called, As for Me and My House. Hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Hey, this is Pastor Ed from Abounding Grace Radio, and I wanted to let you know that we just released another book. It's called Face Your Fears. And in it, I really want to encourage you with all the worrisome difficulties that are surrounding our world and culture today. I mean, perhaps you're feeling it yourself, fearful, filled with anxiety, wondering what's next, wondering what the future holds. As a pastor, I want you to consider God's faithfulness, His utter reliability, and I would encourage you to pick up a copy. You can get it on our website, calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And when you do, just know that all the net proceeds support missions and people doing the ministry around the world. And we would love to partner with you. Get a copy, get some first friends, and be encouraged in the Lord. So next time on Abounding Grace, we're talking about marriage matters. Pastor Ed Taylor will be covering the first two chapters of Genesis in case you'd like to read ahead. This is amazing Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.